back to the Frontier Freedom Hour with Jeff Hunt, sponsored by Centennial Institute at Colorado Christian University. Here's Jeff Hunt. Friends, welcome back to the Frontier Freedom Hour. Just a few weeks ago, we hosted nearly 50 nationally renowned conservative speakers right here in Denver, Colorado at the Western Conservative Summit. One of the most fun and entertaining speeches was given by Seth Dillon, the CEO of the Babylon Bee, that great satire website that we all enjoy. Friends, this is a continuation of Seth's speech from the 2023 Western Conservative Summit. We made our decision within five minutes that we were not going to be deleting the joke. And we announced that we wouldn't delete the joke. And we refused to. And we were willing to give up our Twitter account and never tweet again. What made this uh, all the more outrageous, though, is when you actually looked at the hateful conduct policy on Twitter's website. They have this lip service commitment to free speech, and it's laughable. If you visit the site's policy on hateful conduct, you read this. Twitter's mission is to give everyone the power to create and share ideas and information, to express opinions and beliefs without barriers. Free expression is a human right. These are their words. This rings pretty hollow, I think, when you scroll down the page and then you read the policies about misgendering, dead naming, all of these things that get you permanently suspended. They've baked radical gender ideology into the terms of service so that even objectively true statements become enforceable policy violations. It's crazy. And it'd be one thing if these ideas were merely popular, but porting them into the terms of service of massive public platforms has taken them from mainstream to mandatory. You can't criticize them. And now, thanks to these hateful conduct policies, you can't even joke about them. Comedians are being canceled, and in some cases, physically attacked for stepping out of line and telling an off-limits joke. Thankfully, there are some comedians who are pushing back on this. I I give a lot of credit to Bill Maher um, for recently doing this uh, monologue on the, the, the harm that's, that comes about from gender-affirming care. I don't know if you guys saw this one. Gender-affirming, I'm putting in scare quotes. Let's put that in scare quotes because it's, it's not gender-affirming care. It's mutilation and steriliz- sterilization and castration and, and all of the above. He said, this is great, kids are fluid about everything. If they knew at age eight what they wanted to be, the world would be filled with cowboys and princesses. I wanted to be a pirate. Thank God no one scheduled me for eye removal and peg leg surgery. (laughs) Now, some will call that hate speech, but I think it's funny. The comedian's job, which Bill was doing when he made that joke, is to poke holes in the popular narrative. Whatever the narrative is, doesn't matter who's promoting it. If the popular narrative is off-limits, then comedy itself is off-limits. And that's basically where we find ourselves right now. The only reason Twitter is an exception is because the world's richest man took matters into his own hands and declared comedy legal again. This was cool to read. Someone sent me a link. I don't, I don't normally read the Washington Post. In fact, I never read the Washington Post, but I was sent a link... Said I, they had, I had to read this one. The first paragraph of this story reported that when Elon Musk took over as CEO, he walked into the headquarters of Twitter, um, met with the trust and safety team, and issued an urgent directive, bring back the Babylon Bee. <laughs> We've been trying to think of a joke worth $44 billion ever since. We did actually just interview him out at Twitter headquarters a couple weeks ago. I don't know if you guys have seen that yet, but we, uh, we gave him an IOU for $44 billion. 
it was nice to, nice to finally make good on that debt. <laughs> it's as good as money. It's an IOU. I hope, though, that we can all agree that we shouldn't have to depend on benevolent billionaires to safeguard speech. That's a function of the law. But though law protects against government censorship, it hasn't yet caught up to the fact that the vast majority of public discourse now takes place on privately owned platforms. So where's the law that protects us from them? The lovers of censorship will tell us that there can't be any such law. The Constitution won't allow it. But I think they're wrong and their arguments fail. I don't have time for to address all of them, but just a couple really quickly. First, they say that private companies are free to do whatever they want, and I think that's nonsense, especially when applied to companies that serve a critical public function. A transportation service can't ban passengers based on their viewpoints, nor can telecom providers. Under common carrier doctrine, they're required to treat everyone equally, and that precedent applies comfortably to big tech. The argument that only the government can be guilty of censorship falls short because it fails to make a distinction between the way things are and the way they should be. If these platforms are the modern public square, as the Supreme Court has described them, then speech rights should be protected there, even if they presently are not. So I don't think Facebook, though, is trying to kill comedy by prohibiting jokes that allegedly punch down. That's not the purpose of the policy. This is not an attack on comedy. I think it's wrong-headed to think that way. What they're trying to do is keep something else alive, namely the kind of bad ideas that mockery uh, uh, tears down so effectively. Well, what are these bad ideas? I think the most obvious example is the gender madness that's running rampant in our culture. It's led to the denial of the most basic human facts, the most basic facts of human biology, facts we all agreed upon right up until about 10 minutes ago. It's an ideology loaded with wild, extremely mockable ideas. We're told, like I said earlier, well, you know, women can become men, men can become women. We're told sex is assigned at birth, the most silly thing ever, as if doctors are just making their best guess when they observe a newborn baby. <laughs> we don't know about this one. We'll let the kindergarten teacher decide, you know, like that meme. <laughs> We're told men can become pregnant and chest feed. These aren't fringe ideas promoted by radicals on Reddit. These are mainstream ideas. Go to healthline.com, type in, can men get pregnant, and you'll get this answer verbatim. Yes, it's possible for men to become pregnant and give birth to children of their own. In fact, it's probably a lot more common than you might think. In order to explain, we'll need to break down some common misconceptions about how we understand the term man. So the people who just answered yes to the question, can men get pregnant, are going to clear up some misconceptions for us and tell us all about science and truth. That's very promising. So it'd be bad enough if these ideas were merely popular, but they've gone from mainstream to mandatory, like I said. And this, this all makes sense if you think about it. In order to prop up an insane worldview that can't be defended or even coherently articulated, you have to insulate it from criticism, especially the comedic kind that employs mockery to expose foolishness. It's embarrassing to be mocked and exposed for a fool. It can't be tolerated. So how did we get here? How did we end up in this place where uh, insane ideas are not just popular, but sacred? And they are. They're sacred. Untouchable. I think the answer is very simple and straightforward and obvious. We took bad ideas too seriously. Instead of laughing at absurdity, we accepted it. Instead of ridiculing bad ideas, we tolerated them. The absurd has become sacred only because it hasn't been sufficiently mocked. And when I, the response I normally get when I say something like that is, well, wait a minute, isn't mockery mean? 
Isn't it cruel? Are you, are you talking about bullying? No, and, and you know what? It depends on what you mean by it and in, in the context in which you're employing it. We're not talking about mockery for the purpose of putting people down and making them feel bad. We're talking about using it as a tool to expose foolishness for what it is so that it isn't taken seriously. Mockery of this kind is a moral imperative for the obvious reason that bad ideas taken seriously have catastrophic consequences. Ask any mutilated teen who now regrets their gender transition surgery or any inmate at a women's only prison whose female cellmate got her pregnant. Imagine if the ideas that produced these results had been laughed at instead of lauded. Don't you think that would have made a difference? C.S. Lewis said that good philosophy must exist if for no other reason than because bad philosophy needs to be answered. And I think that's as true now as it's ever been. There's bad ideas everywhere, and social media is increasing the speed with which they spread and infect minds all over the world. There can never be enough opposition to them. They say evil prevails when good men do nothing, and I think that's true, but it's also true that madness prevails when sane men say nothing. We cannot preserve sanity with silence. Joe Rogan said the funniest comedy right now is coming from the Babylon Bee. They're so consistently funny because the funniest stuff right now is woke stuff. He wasn't saying stuff. I'm, I'm inserting that word in there in place of the word he was using. The funniest stuff right now is woke stuff, and that's the stuff people on the left can't touch. He's right. But it's not just that wokeness is hysterical. It is. It also happens to be harmful. The first time we interviewed Elon Musk, he called wokeness a mind virus and said it's one of the greatest threats to modern civilization. And I asked him why he, he thought it was so dangerous and destructive, and this was his response after he stopped to think for a moment. He said, at its heart, wokeness is divisive, exclusionary, and hateful. It basically gives mean people a shield to be cruel while armored in false virtue. I couldn't agree more, and that's why we target wokeness so much with our humor. Bad ideas don't need to just be refuted, they need to be ridiculed, they need to be mocked. So many things are off limits in comedy right now, and people think that represents progress. They honestly think that we've improved morally because we make fun of fewer things. And I get it, I, I understand why they, on, initially that you can think that way. But those people are idiots. Sorry. We're more depraved than ever because we're affirming and accepting what we should be ridiculing and rejecting. At the Babylon Bee, we are just satirists. We write jokes on the internet for a living. We are expert online trolls. But somehow we found ourselves on the front lines of a battle for the preservation of freedom and the restoration of sanity, and I have no idea how that happened. I don't know. But I do know that satire is never more necessary than when reality and rationality are under attack. You can't refute claims that are rooted in relativism, where truth itself is a moving target. You can't reason with people who've abandoned rationality on purpose, but you can and you must ridicule their bad ideas. Nothing, after all, undercuts lunacy and lies like laughter. Thank you. Thank you.